Another episode of Black Muse. Tonight's uh, guest is Katara Washington Patton. She's the best-selling author of the new 90-day devotional book, Navigating the Blues. She has written several other books as well, as well, including Successful Moms in the Bible and Successful Women of the Bible. Along the way, she spent some time with a little magazine called Jet Magazine, which is where mm -hmm. I met her. And she also was an editor for The uh, Defender. And right now, she is the executive editor for the Voices Collection by Our Daily Bread. Let's please welcome Katara Washington Patton. Hey. It's so great to see you, sir. Good to be here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So let's start at the top. Tell us okay. about this, this new book, Navigating the Blues, Where to Turn When Worry, Anxiety, or Depression Steals Your Hope. What very prompted good. you to write this? Thank you so very much, Clarence. I like to lift up the book cover just so everyone sees. But what prompted me to write this was really, unfortunately, my own personal experience with anxiety and depression. And we even woven worry into that because that's a part of it. And I really wanted to send a message to especially the faith community um, that believers, those of us who have a strong faith in God, we can still suffer from issues around mental illness. And it's very important for us to also take care of our mental health and to treat it seriously. So this book is basically 90 ways you can get through, 90 suggestions about things you can do to really care for your mental health and really press through. Some days it means to stop and rest and relax, but this book is just basically to come alongside those of us who are dealing with these different um, illnesses and say that it's okay. Scripture has help. And we have people who are people of faith, like myself, who've been through this, who experienced this, because sometimes it's ongoing. And um, it's really just a companion piece to remind people they are not alone and um, God is with them, but it is very natural and very common for people of faith to endure something like a depression, depression episodes, anxiety, and other things. Okay. Now, how difficult was it for you to share that you suffer with depression, because I never knew that. And I've known I, it for a long, long time. I, I know, that. know. That is a really interesting piece about mental illness. It's not something we wear. You're not going to see the Band-Aid on me, or you're not going to see me taking medicine necessarily, because it's almost like a silent thing. And unless we're having a personal conversation, you're just not going to know. That's a that's a cautionary tale for all of us to be careful how we deal with people because you just don't know what people are going through. But um, for me to answer your question, yes, I had um, a serious episode of depression, I call it. And it, it probably occurred and started about 20 years ago. But again, now that I've gotten the tools to help me to work through it, it can still rear its ugly. Yeah, 
ugly head at different times because we know depression is caused by many different things. And sometimes we don't know what they are. It could be environmental, hereditary. It could be something you're going through, hormonal. It can be so many different things. So I did um, have a serious bout and I've had smaller bouts throughout. Um, so I to share with people. Like I, I started um, speaking about it, um, probably, like I said, about 20 years ago, I did a prayer breakfast where I called it coming out of the closet. I'm going to share with people something they didn't know about me, because as you say, I wear the mask very well. I don't walk around saying I'm depressed, but I did this. Um, I, I, sh I shared with women at a prayer breakfast and I posted it online on Facebook and Clarence I got so many anonymous messages from that one single post where people were like, thank you for sharing. I too suffer. I too have been having a hard time. And it can go from just blues or, you know, a low day all the way to I need some some help because I'm clinically depressed. I cannot move. I cannot function. And it's it runs the gamut. So I had different people just share with me that they were suffering too, or they had suffered. And that let me know, this is not just me. I knew it wasn't just me. I didn't realize so many of my friends, people I was even connected to, were really going through this. So that's kind of how the book came about. As I say, I didn't set out to be a depression writer. I didn't want to be. Um, this was something that came into my life and it deepened my faith and made me dig deeper to understanding ways to cope with it. So I just wanted to share with other people and hopefully give them a glimpse of light and give them some hope and some tools that they might be able to use too in the midst of their depression and anxiety bouts. Absolutely. Describe the structure of the book. I know that every chapter starts with a scripture of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. It is a devotional book. It's in the model of a devotional. So there's 90 entries and you can use it daily. If you're one of those people who wakes up or goes to bed with a devotional, this might be great to use. Or you can use it as a book where you're reading several at a time. You can read five at a time. It's a quick read. It's very approachable, very big sister come alongside you style tone. I'm not trying to tell you you should do this and that. I'm not a counselor. I'm sharing, really. So it's 90 of those. It begins with a scripture because it is rooted in the word of God. It's by Al Daily Bread, Voices Collection by Al Daily Bread. And if you know anything about Our Daily Bread, the little devotional company, we are seeped in the word of God and everything is designed around the word of God. That's where we start. So we start with a scripture. Then there's an explanation. Um, it could be a story from my life. It could be something that I heard. It could be explaining the Bible passage and even more. And then I end with a prayer as well as something I call um, progress, not perfection. And it's just a small action step, something you can do today. I literally told myself today, I'm feeling a little off. I was like, do what you have to do today. Only do what you have to do today. So those are some of the things I say within this book. Sometimes you need that permission that I can't run at 100% every day. I cannot be perfect every day and the goal is progress. So I've already sent one thing in today and I'm going to give myself a little break and, and really tap into what makes me calm and, and soothes my spirit. So Love it. I love mm -hmm. it. The music is a great therapy. What are some of the gospel songs 
on your playlist? Because you mentioned the book, what's the guy's name, Walker? Um. Has 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 to say Hezekiah has, Walker. Yes, yes, I do mention. I love his praise music, and actually, Clarence, that's a reminder. As I just mentioned, today is not one of my on par days. One of my best days. I'm going to turn on my music when I get off of this call with you, because music does lift up the spirit. And when I talk to different people who were going through depressive bouts, they were like, "I stopped listening to music because." depression does distort you a bit. It distorts you. And you turn on that music, it can set the atmosphere. And that's biblical because King Saul suffered from some type of possession inside of him. I'm not saying um, depression is demon possessed. Let me just get that out there. But King Saul did suffer. And who did he call? He called David to play the harp for him. And it soothed his spirit. So there is biblical evidence of music soothing our spirits. So for me, it's Hezekiah Walker, anything by Mary Mary. I love them. I love their upbeat pieces. Kirk Franklin, I feel like I grew with Kirk Franklin. We're the exact age, exact generation. And you see him evolving as a person, as a musician, as a Christian. Um, so I put on any of those songs and usually it can lift my spirit and just have it flow throughout my room so that that's what I'm hearing as opposed to those voices in your head that could be very detrimental. Mm, mm. All right. I love how you weave pop culture in the book. You mentioned Florida Evans on Good Times when her husband died, and you yeah. also made a reference to Medea. Tell mm -hmm. her why it was important to mix a little pop culture. A little pop culture, right. Clarence, culture. I feel as um, writers and as muses, isn't it our job to reflect the culture at the time? And really what I'm excited about at Our Daily Bread with the Voices Collection, that's what voices means. Voices is designed to amplify the voice of African-Americans, a people whose voices have been suppressed, who haven't always heard their voice. So while Navigating the Blues is for anyone who wants some inspiration on handling depression, anxiety, worry for themselves or a friend, it is also, we're not shying away from the fact that I'm an African-American woman. I have an African-American voice and some things in my culture are very sacred and beautiful. And who does not recall the time Florida Evans dropped that punch bowl, right? Oh, <laughs> that no. is a part of our culture. And in the book, I even share, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Google it because it's on YouTube. I, and we checked it a couple of times <laughs> to make sure it's there. But it's a reminder that we've been watching this thing for a long time, right? Grief plays out in so many different ways. Florida Evans had just lost her beloved husband, whom we know as James Evans. And it's almost like they're part of our family, right? And she was so busy occupying herself, taking care of everybody else, making sure things were fine. And often that's a phrase in our community, right? I'm fine, I'm fine. And she literally broke and dropped that punch bowl and said those three words that I put in the book. I said, the damn broke, right? Um, and it, it's just a wonderful ability and a wonderful feeling to be able to reference some of the things that are just naturally innately a part of our culture because they'll pass on. My kid will be reading about Florida Evans and while she may not have known it, she'll go ahead and Google it. So it's just a natural part of our culture and it's so wonderful to be able to lift that up and amplify that voice. 
And I do mention Medea because Medea is a big part of our culture too. And in the book, I actually say, whether you love her or not, because we know there's some of us who love her, some of us who <laughs> don't. I talk about what I learned from that particular Tyler Perry movie, um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And Kimberly Elise, I believe, was the lead character along with Shamar Moore. And she was really going through it in that. I mean, we know that story. She went from the top to the bottom and her husband abused her, mistreated her. And she was working in a restaurant and someone said, how are you making it? And she said, it's not even one day at a time. It's one step at a time. I was depressed when I watched that. That ministered to me. And I just want to give honor and credence to the amazing creative work we're doing out there that does touch upon those things that can help people move forward. So I said, even in that bit, I'm going to take it one step at a time. Sometimes when you're depressed, you're, everything is overwhelming. It's large. It's huge. So taking it one step at a time reminds you, I'm not even looking at the full day. I'm looking at this one next step. And those are the types, again, practical tools I like to share in this book to help people during those times. Yeah, yeah. Now, one chapter really caught my attention, memoirs with the opening scripture, let the redeemed, redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about the process of writing this book. How long did it take you and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I really, that's a wonderful scripture. And it actually points back to what you said. You didn't realize I suffered with depression. While I don't know if I subscribe to telling everybody what you're going through, but we do have to realize sometimes what we're going through is not just about us. Depression clearly is not just about me. God used that trial, those circumstances for me to write a book that's actually touching people all over the world. I mean, that's not me. <laughs> that's not something I could do. But it reminds us that some of the stuff we're going through, some of our life's journeys, the journeys we take, we need to share them. We need to tell the story because people can be blessed through those stories. People can receive inspiration through those stories. A Your life can be a sermon. And um, I'm just so honored that I could take something tragic, something tough, a hard part of my life and turn into something that helps other people. And I've received so many comments from people saying, oh my gosh, I, I, literally the other day, a woman wrote me whom I didn't know, said I've only read 20 pages and already I know it's what I need. So it reminds me that that suffering I was going through, Clarence Waldron, don't have me preach on the show. Oh, <laughs> the man. suffering, what I was feeling, mm -hmm. God use that for good to help somebody else recognize that you're not alone, sweetheart. Look at this. Look at this scripture. Cling to this. Keep moving. Take it one step at a time. Rest. All of those wonderful, amazing lessons I've learned have been put into this book that has been helping other people. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. before you go, I know you're not a therapist. Name three things that people can do. So we know one oh. step at a time is a good approach. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, there's so many. I can't possibly just pick three from the book, but I'll try. I'll try to think of them. Like you said, therapy is not a bad thing, sweetheart. Talking about what we feel 
is just really a great therapy. And I'm not even talking about sharing with my girlfriend or my good friends, because we know we all going through, <laughs> we all have something I laugh and say, when you tell a girlfriend or a friend what you're going through, they're going to come with their problems too, because that's how we do it. It's a conversation. But when I go to a therapist, you're paying for those 45, 50 minutes for that person to listen to you. And often they ask great questions to help you dig deeper into things you hadn't even thought about. So therapy is okay. Finding the therapist can often feel overwhelming. And when I first did it, I looked into my employees' um, health benefits. Turns out I got 20 free sessions. Here I was leaving all that good stuff on the table. Different insurance policies, clearly, um, they change or they vary. But here, I had 20 as a part of the employee wellness program. So I would have left that at, on the table had I not looked into it. I also found someone who was close to the job because convenience is important to me. Who wants to add yet another thing onto their schedule when they're already overwhelmed? So I went down the street from my job. I went at lunchtime. I scheduled things around there. So there's ways to make it work when you need to do it. So push through. I also prayed with a friend about the therapist. We didn't want someone who would not um, allow my faith to flourish. Faith is extremely important to me. And we were afraid sometimes therapists might want to um, wish that away or talk that away. And I prayed, my friend prayed with me on the phone and we prayed for the right therapist. And I found one. And that, again, my first therapist was probably 20 years ago. And every now and then I still go to her for tune-up. She took phone appointments during the pandemic because things were stressful and we needed to talk about that. So therapy is just one of them. The second thing, and I touched upon earlier, is faith and depression, faith and anxiety, faith and worry, faith and issues do exist in the same space. Don't allow someone to tell you that all you need to do is pray or all you need is your Bible. I actually had a really good friend say that to me, which also prompted the reason I wanted to come out of the closet. No, I'm a person of faith. I pray, I trust, I, be I believe my Lord, but still I had that numb feeling. I had the cloud hanging over me, not being able to fully be myself or to even want to get out of bed. Those are real emotions, even in the space of faith. And thirdly, use the tools, use whatever tools you need to get toward healing and wholeness. That might be eating right, that might be walking, that might be um, whatever it is, discovering your passion and making sure you're giving yourself time to do that sometimes. Again, my tips are very practical. It's based off of my life and my practical usage of how I got through a serious bout of depression and how I continue to try to take care of myself, my spirit, my soul in a holistic way. Ooh. Now, yeah. May 5th is National Silence the Shame Day. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What is that? Yep, I wrote about that in the book, too. Um, one of the main things, that's by a mental wellness organization, and it's really meant to raise awareness. You know, mental health wellness is a hot-button topic these days, thank God, but we don't want to make it just a hashtag that is just something people do. So every year, it's a reminder that it's not shameful to wrestle with depression. It's not shameful to wrestle with anxiety. When we all come out the closet, all of us suffering can understand that it is something we can get the tools to work toward. It is something that is 
in many ways, quite natural and um, it, it happens amongst people. So once you can cancel out the shame, you can move forward toward healing and others cannot suffer in silence or feel bad about themselves because they're suffering. So it's really designed to help people know that mental health illnesses are in our society. There are ways to deal with them and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Wow. What mm -hmm. do you need readers to take away from the book? Once we, we've done it 90 days and all that stuff. Right. What do you well, yeah. Um, of course, many of the takeaways are what I've been talking about throughout our time together. And it's that it exists. Um, depression, anxiety exists in people of faith. Um, but there is solutions. I don't have an, a, a cure-all. If I did, I'd package it in a pill and sell it and make a lot of money. But I do know there are tools that we can do to take that one step forward each day. Some of those tools are rest. Some of those tools are delegate. Give it to someone else. Choose the three things you got to get done today and say that's it. And that includes taking care of your family, taking care of yourself. I put in there, cold cereal can be our friend sometimes. We don't have to always get up and, and make the warm meal and push and, and do everything at that perfection level. Some days it's okay to be, I'm low. It's okay to tell people about stuff. I also have a couple of entries in there where I tricked myself into going out. Isolation is a huge um, coping mechanism for some people. They want to isolate. I don't want to talk to people, especially if you're single and living alone. You just want to put your covers over your head and be sleepy. And um, no, I suggest ways of you pick up a friend to go to that party because maybe you'll keep the commitment a little more if you're picking them up. I talk about how I plan my day around this particular um, event so I could go. I was closer to the event that day. So again, it's reminding yourself that I'm not 100% right now. So I'm going to need some tools to help me do the things I know would lift my spirits. And sometimes that is hanging out with the people you love who can give you a good laugh and take your mind off of it. Cool, cool. Now, this is Black News. I got to ask you, who inspired you? Who were some <laughs> of the early cheerleaders in your life? Yes, very good. Thank you. Um, in terms of inspiring me, I always left up Mother Maya Angelou. She was an amazing writer. And I did get to meet her one time. And she just, she told me to keep writing. And she was so influential in my life, her writings. I Reading her made me realize the journey could be documented. And much of the stuff we go through can actually lead to amazing work that helps other people. And I read, um, wouldn't take nothing for my journey most beginning of the year. That's how I began my year, just as an inspiration and a reminder, this life is gonna be up and down, but like Maya Angelou did, um, you can turn that around to be amazing, amazing um, gifts to other people. And then of course, I always say who cheered me on the most, personally knowing is my mother. And in this book, I write a lot about my mom because grief actually contributed to a piece of my depression. My mother died um, in 2006, and I wrote a lot about those feelings. In fact, one of my counseling sessions, Clarence, I sat in there and I told a woman I hadn't cried yet <laughs> because I didn't have time to get a headache when I cried. And she just looked at me. And I love my therapist. I love the look she gave me because it made me pause. And it made me say, whoa, mm. you didn't have time to grieve? 
you didn't have time to cry over your first love, mama's first love. That's what I determined. Mama's first love for most of us. And my mother was a superwoman, a super cheerleader, very supportive, gave us her all, not only to her family, but to her community. So when I lost her physically, that was a major loss. And I needed to create the space and the time to grieve. And I needed to create a schedule that allowed for that. Oftentimes we're driven by our schedules. No, I need to create the schedule that has the gaps in it, that has the holes in it so I can sit and be, because you don't know when it's gonna pop up on you. One day you might be fine <laughs> and the next day you can barely function. So again, my inspiration is and always has been my mother. I get so tickled whenever I make social media posts People who knew my mother would be like, oh, your mother would be so proud. And mm -hmm. I, I know she would. And um, I'm a product of what she poured into me. And I'm thankful. Hopefully it's not in vain. It's, <laughs> it's helping others because she was truly my inspiration. And you're originally educated. You went to Dillard Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. You got your divinity degree from Garrett. So talk about that. How did that prepare you for what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, I love the way you say that. Richly educated. Amen. <laughs> well, I I particularly lift up that first school you mentioned there, Dillard University. It's my historically Black college and university. I probably stumbled on Dillard back in the day, but it it changed my life. One, I was taught by Black PhDs. I was taught by people who cared and really my writing career, I owe a lot of that to my teachers at Dillard University. I majored in mass communications. I wanted to do broadcast journalism and my writing teacher pulled me aside. I still remember the day after class and she said, I know you're interested in broadcasting and that's fine, but I definitely think you should not ignore your writing gifts. So here was a woman speaking into an 18, 19 year old telling me she saw writing gifts and she was a writer herself, a reporter. So I, I just really took her words very heavily. And she said, you should get an internship. And sometimes that's the personal push that we need as we're seeking direction. It was the same teacher, Lisa Frazier Page, who is a writer and author in her own as well. Um, she suggested I go to Northwestern. And she was like, I think you would do well there. She had been through the program at Northwestern. And we know Medill is, you know, world-renowned journalism program. She had been through it and she recommended that I apply. And I did. I had no idea really what Northwestern was. <laughs> I hadn't been outside of Louis much outside of Louisiana, um, except for a few trips. So I came to Chicago and got into Medill and had a great time. But I'll tell anybody, even with the beauty behind Medill, the exposure behind a program like that, I feel like Dillard University really prepared me. That was my foundation. And later on in my career, as I was um, editing Bible study guides, because I really got into that, and I felt called to deepen that knowledge with a biblical, um, a theological education. And that's how I ended up at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, also on Northwestern's campus. So I've been blessed to be able to match my passions with my education and skills and um, and do what I enjoy doing and what God put me on the path to do, even by putting those passions in my heart at a very early age. And 
giving me guidance and direction through those who really took an interest in a young little girl. <laughs> cool, cool. Now, I want to go back to our daily bread publishing. You're executive editor of that. Explain yeah. to us, what does that mean? What that, that means is I'm executive editor of the Voices Collection by Our Daily Bread, which yes. basically means a lot of people know Our Daily Bread is the free publication of devotions that you get. You get just by asking for it free. Sometimes churches get them and deliver them. They can be delivered to your home individually. You can get it on our app. You can get it emailed to you. But we also have a book publishing line. And our book publishing line publishes books that our goal is to make the word of God accessible to everyone. So it's books that basically break down the word of God or refer to the word of God or keep the word of God as the central theme. And we expound on that. So with voices, we decided we needed to hear from African-Americans because African-Americans are very involved in understanding the Bible and spirituality. Our faith is central to us. And many of us, our faith is what we have and all we have. So we wanted to be able to produce books that really interested African-Americans by lifting up our voices, hence the name Voices. And so my book is out of that line. It's distributed to everyone who would like it, but it's also just really centered around creating a space for the African-American voice to be amplified and to be heard. So we have a line of products. We have podcasts. We also um, develop some films too. We have a Juneteenth film that is being shown around um, the country. It's actually got some uh, recognition on um, the public television station PBS this year. So yeah, Our Daily Bread is trying to amplify voices as well as remind people of um, the Bible and the word of God. Okay. Now I got to get a little bit personal now. A little Jim okay. Maxine question. <laughs> Tell me about your family, because I mean, you're married, you have a daughter. Tell me, tell me about them. Yeah, actually, I um, got married in 2008. So um, that was kind of right after my huge bout of depression. And I often think I got married. Then a year later, I had a kid. Imagine if I would have stopped right there, if I would have allowed depression to stop me, to cancel me. I wouldn't have had this beautiful story of being with this man, um, Derek, and then us producing our first child, Kayla, our first and only, by the way. But the joy of being a mother and a wife was something I didn't know. And here it is, I got to do it later in life. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Neither Kayla nor Derek ever met my mom. So it's a reminder that while one thing ended and I did need to grieve over it, I did need to go through the process of moving through that, there was also something continued. Life did not end at that point. So I am very grateful to God for my family and they're very great. They're very supportive too. They know I might write about them at any point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us, where can we buy the book? Where oh, you we... can get Navigating the Blues at any book retailer. Of course, Amazon's easy. You can go on there and get it. Or you can go to an independent bookstore. You can go to a physical bookstore. If they do not have it in stock, just ask for it. They can order it very quickly. So it's out everywhere books are sold. Navigating mm -hmm. the blues. <laughs> All right now. All right. Anything else you would like to share? 
And um, I'm not just promoting my books, but I do believe they're messages that God have given God has given me. So they may help people. If you want to find out all of my books, you can either Google it online or you can go to my actual website where I have information about each book. And that's katera.pattonhome.net. Katera.pattonhome.net. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you very much for sharing so much. Uh, during this conversation. As Thank I'm, you. Yeah, I'm sure the viewers could tell she is a prayer warrior, y'all. She's, <laughs> she's a prayer warrior. As a matter of fact, she prayed for me when I was in the hospital. And I remember that time. So um, thank yeah. you for that. Thank you I for that. remember that time too. And we give God praise and glory for answering prayers too. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we yes. do. And before we close, I want to give a special shout out to Howard Sandifer and his wife, Darlene Sandifer. They are the founders of the Chicago West Community Music Center, and they developed this podcast. They said, let's have lively conversation with some of our favorite newsmakers. So here we are. So that, that's it for now. Please click like and subscribe. And that is all.